Hi, I'm Leah Lane, an award-winning travel writer and author of Places I Remember, Tales, Truths, Delights from 100 Countries. On this podcast, we share conversations with travelers about fascinating destinations and memorable experiences around the world. London, the capital of England and the United Kingdom, is a 21st century city with history stretching back to Roman times. Today, London is one of the most multicultural cities in the world, with over a third of its population born in a foreign country. London houses over 8 million residents who collectively speak over 300 languages. The culture of London is filled with pomp and pageantry and fun, music, museums, festivals, And London is one of the world's leading business centers, renowned for its technological readiness and economic clout, as well as attracting the most foreign investment of any global city. I lived in London when the Beatles were young, and I was young, and I loved it. Our guest, who lives there now and loves it as well, is Peter Anderson, Managing Director of Luxury Travel and Lifestyle Concierge Membership, Knightbridge Circle. Welcome, Peter, to Places I Remember. Thank you very much. Great to be here. But what makes London so special for you? The diversity of the cultures. We're a very open and understanding uh, city. We welcome all sorts. And that really drives the, the creativity. The other thing about London is it's very green, incredibly green. We've got so many parks and green spaces, although often we don't have the weather for it. When we do have the weather, those parks and, and green spaces are just, just incredible. New York has Central Park. London has multiple, multiple huge, beautiful parks all around the city. Do you have uh, a favourite? I lived in Hampstead for, for I many I did too. Years. I did you. too. Oh. So, <laughs> so it was just around the corner from me. Yeah, so, Hampstead Heath. Exactly. And it's huge. I mean, I lived around the corner from Hampstead Heath for nearly seven years. I never even saw half of it. Wild and beautiful. Yeah, exactly. With some great gastro pubs just on the outskirts. Absolutely. Is the old Bull and Bush still there? It is indeed. Yeah, that's a beautiful gastro pub now. And the Holly Tree right at the top of Hampstead, which was my local. I used to go there all the time. <laughs> Lots of beautiful places. Yeah, that's where poet John Keats used to live. That was something that everybody came to visit at the time. Exactly. There's the blue plaques on the buildings, by the way, tell you some of the history of London because so many people have lived there over the years that are famous. So it's fun to just walk around London and look for the blue plaques. You never know where you'll find them. Now, how long do you think a traveler needs to get a good overview of the main landmarks and a few of the most popular attractions and a feel for the city? I think five days you would you would do well in London. There is huge, huge, huge amounts to do. And even in five days, you will be absolutely, you'll need a vacation after you vacation from all the walking and everything there. But I think five days will give you a good grounding in the city. I would say two to three days in what we call the West End, so close to Buckingham Palace, Hyde Park. And then the other two days, more on the eastern side of the city, where people don't tend to go as much, but there's some real unbelievable gems there, because actually the east of the city is the historic heart and the original part of London. Whereas the West End, where Buckingham Palace and everything, up until a few hundred years ago, that was all parkland. There wasn't really much there. 
Everything that's a long time. That's a, for some yeah, American yeah. cities. So a couple of hundred years is a big deal. But you're saying the East End is from way, way back. Way back. Roman times. There's uh, Roman walls in what is now the financial centre, which we call the city, the square mile. And there's Roman walls. And that's where the Romans had their garrisons. And that's where actually the city originally was. And then it moved west to as it grew and, and, and built out. I would suggest what I do at most places when I don't have a lot of time. I start with a overview on a hop on hop off bus kind of thing Mm. where I just drive around. You can get on and off, but you also get an idea of the city in its panorama. So that's one way to kind of start. Another would be to just go on a double-decker city bus and see where it goes. You can yeah. see from that. That's that's unusual because most cities don't have it, but London still has the double-deckers. And for a bird's-eye view, of course, there's the London Eye, although you may have to wait quite a while to get up on the wheel. Mm-hmm. And you can get another view at the tallest observation point in London, a building called the Shard. Exactly, yeah. That's probably yeah. a better bet for waiting time, right? Yeah, I mean, the Shard, you can get in pretty much, it's, it's quite easy. Also in the Shard of the building is where the Shangri-La Hotel is. And you can have a beautiful afternoon tea up there, looking out over the whole of London, which is stunning. Oh, that's a perfect thing to do. Uh, just tell us about high tea right now, because that's something I wanted to talk about. What is sure. a high tea? So high tea is is in between lunch and dinner or supper. It depends depends how posh you are. Depends whether you call it dinner or supper. I'm not as posh as uh, some people, so I just call it dinner. You call so, it dupper. <laughs> exactly. So it's the time in between, and high tea was for ladies to sit and discuss all the gossip of the day, drink tea, and have little cakes, and everything was generally eaten with your hands. So although they serve it with knives and forks, the idea of finger sandwiches is small enough so you can pick them up with your fingers and be very dainty and ladylike and eat your sandwiches. In my opinion, the best afternoon teas in London are either at the Dorchester or the Connaught. Those rooms are really beautiful where they serve their afternoon tea. And the Dorchester actually has just done a big renovation. So their promenade where they serve afternoon tea is beautiful. It's a wonderful idea. You don't have to stay at these great hotels. You can just enjoy them in the lobby and have tea there. And it's a perfect thing to do. I remember way back, my first high tea was at Fortnum and Mason. They had a lovely tea area and we had tiny little tables. And I remember they put my husband and I at a table that looked like a, as big as a truck tire. It wasn't very big. And we were sitting with another couple, an older couple, and we were very polite and everything. But I noticed after a while that the husband had fallen asleep in his tea. <laughs> his, his head was in the plate and nobody said anything because everybody was very polite. <laughs> I never forgot that. Anyway, that was different. Okay. So you only have a few days in London. What's not to miss? Just a few things. So much of our culture is about the royalty. So you have to do the changing the guard you've got to go and see Buckingham Palace one thing to remember Buckingham Palace is only open to the public for a few months during the summer so during the summer months when the king is not in residence and remember we have to say king now not we said queen for a a very very long time (laughs) when he's at his country residences one of many then they open it up and you can go to see Buckingham Palace you can reserve it right you can do it yeah you can indeed I must admit even as a Londoner I've never been to Buckingham Palace well, that's it, typical. We, we don't do things, right? Really <laughs> one of these shocking things. But one of my favourite park in London is the park next to Buckingham Palace called St. James's Park. And it has my favourite view in London, which if you look down the park towards what we call horse guards, 
then you have this wonderful view framed in trees overlooking the lake and it's by far one of the most beautiful views in london can so you, you see can it look... from the lobby area do you have to go up to a room to see it no no, no you you can just stand on the there's a kind of bridge opposite the gates of buckingham palace and you look south towards down the park and it's a stunning stunning view good to know really really beautiful and then other things not to miss we have incredible museums, such as the Natural History Museum. The Victoria and Albert Museum has oh, amazing... I love the Victoria and Albert. That is like a big old attic. It's yeah. just the best. So I actually used to work around the corner from the Victoria and Albert Museum. I used to take my sandwiches on a lunchtime and go and sit in the Victoria and Albert Museum and look at the sculptures and things. That's wonderful. You, you weren't allowed to, but I did it. I, I could have escaped the security guards. And Good did for it. you. I think the Tate Museum, I love that as well. That's yeah. a converted electric plant, I think. And that's correct. Plant. Yeah, so oh, that's a great. converted power plant. There's actually two Tate Museums. There's the Tate Britain, which is a bit further down the river, uh, and then the Tate Modern, which is for much more modern art. But, I mean, we've got galleries and culture in abundance, really. I mean, And, of course, the British Museum is famous for the antiquities that absolutely. are yeah, filled absolutely. with it, yeah. And one thing we recommend, if people are going to museums such as the British Museum, make sure you take a guide with you because these places are so huge. And as Knightsbridge Circle, we've got some of the best blue badge guides, expert guides to take you around. There's so much that you just get lost. We always say, look, pick out some things you're interested in, an artist or a, a time period or antiquities, and take a guide who's an expert in that, in that period. And they will really maximize your experience. Right. I think in London, you can just go to the center and walk around Trafalgar Square, Piccadilly Circus. And just there are so many things that you've seen before, iconic things like the Eros Fountain and some wonderful things. And just feel the activity around you. You don't necessarily have to take tours. There's a lot concentrated in the West End. Absolutely. Yeah. And and actually, in what I regard as the kind of older parts of, of that area, so St. James's Street and Pall Mall, around there, you have have very old English institutions. So there's a few of the royal palaces, such as St. James's Palace and Clarence House. And then the streets around there, you have the oldest wine merchant in the world, Berry Brothers. You have one of the oldest milliners in the world. And you have all these amazing little back alleys, again, which you can just walk down, which have pubs which are five, six hundred years old. I mean, there's so much just to walk around is is incredible. And actually, the only private library anywhere in the world is called the London Library. And you have to pay to join as a member. Wow. If you don't return your book, what happens? They come and find you. <laughs> they put you in the Tower of London? Or... Exactly. <laughs> Ooh, right, that's good to know. These are the things we like to hear about that we wouldn't otherwise know about. That's great. Now, if you just want to stroll around, you can go across Westminster Bridge for iconic views of Big Ben, the imposing Houses of Parliament, West and Westminster Abbey. By the way, Big Ben is the name of the bell in the clock tower, not the tower. You can go near St. Paul's Cathedral in what you call the city to see the great cathedral by Christopher Wren. I read that he planned originally a 60-foot stone pineapple to put in place of the dome. The London skyline would have looked rather tropical. I don't know. Did you know that? (laughs) No, I didn't know that. That was an odd thing. Yeah. I used to love to look at it, but I now... I'll never look at it the same way. 
The West End is also a great area for theater, some of the best clubs and bars and restaurants. And if you love theater, London is like Broadway in New York. And for nightlife, Soho is in that area. You can stay for later things. Any other places you want to mention that we haven't? I love Soho. It's really the beating heart of, of London. And actually, maybe in the in the 70s when you lived there, Soho might have been a slightly more risque area. You might yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. Now it's very cosmopolitan, great restaurants, great bars some fantastic clubs. I also like, if you want bars and clubs, again, the East End, so uh, around Liverpool Street Station, actually, Shoreditch, Dalston, those kind of areas, all the new clubs and and the more kind of trendy places are, are out east. But there's some, also some great spots in Notting Hill, for example, and Chelsea as well, just off the King's Road, some, some really interesting spots there. London's constantly evolving and the areas are constantly changing and, you know, where the next new hotspot is might not be somewhere where tourists would initially go, but there's some great, there's some great places around. Absolutely. When you're saying about these places, I remember when I lived there, they were not places you'd go to. They were kind of run down and so forth. But my era when I was there was the time of the Beatles and Elton John was just coming up and Twiggy, the model, was popular. And it was just a great scene in London. For a long while before the 70s, London was kind of sleepy, Mm. but it's just so vital now. It's one of the great cities of the world, obviously. I'll name some neighborhoods. And could you give me a quick description of them? Because we heard of these neighborhoods maybe we'd want to check them out how about kensington so kensington is home of the museums so that's where the natural history museum is and the science museum also the royal albert hall as well which is our beautiful victorian concert venue remember bob dylan went there that was where he had a big concert again during my era it's a fascinating place because it's circular the acoustics in there are amazing if people can get in there for a concert while they're in london i mean they do choral recitals or just to see the venue and it in action is an amazing thing it's very special kensington is a very residential neighborhood so lots of london residents live there but it's also a very affluent neighborhood so there's great bars great restaurants and the area around South Kensington, we call it South Ken, we always shorten it, around South Ken Tube has some beautiful restaurants. And, and one thing I should note, when a Londoner talks about areas of London, they always refer to the area based on the Tube station. Ah, good point. When a Londoner talks about that, and they'll always talk about the distance from the Tube station to where they're going to, or they'll talk about postcodes, but I mean, that's a different story. So when we're talking about an area will always talk about the tube station. Tell us about taking the tube. Is it safe? Super safe. They've invested huge amounts of sums of money in it over the last 20, 30 years. It's clean. It's efficient. They've just opened the Elizabeth line, which is in honour of the late Queen Elizabeth, which connects the west of London all the way to the east. Multi-billion dollar project. And it's it's beautifully done. I always, I always travel on the tube when I'm in London. Yeah. The oh. traffic is not so good. I will say that. No. <laughs> That's no. not a good thing. The, the black cabs are fun to take once maybe or something, but you're going to get in a traffic jam probably. Well, actually, talking about black cabs, one of the great things you can do is there are some black cabs who are official blue badge guide black cab drivers. So not only are they black cab drivers, but they are official qualified London tour guides as well. So that is actually a brilliant way of seeing the city with a black cab driver because they get special access down certain roads and things like that. So it's actually a brilliant way of doing it. If you can get a blue badge guide, and again, with Nightsbridge Circle, we've got a guy that we use quite regularly who's a real character. 
that's something that that people can use in it and it works very well do you have to book through a tour agency or how would you get these people as Knightsbridge Circle, we're a membership organization. So people join Knightsbridge Circle for a year and can tap into all of our wonderful contacts, not just in London, but also around the world as well. Right. That's a good idea for people who are staying a while. Absolutely. There's so many little things you can do that help like that. That's wonderful. Okay. How about Mayfair, Belgravia, and Victoria as neighborhoods? Mayfair has always been the number one place for the rich, affluent royalty. I mean, Mayfair is the place. If we're talking about shopping boutiques, five-star luxury hotels, high-end restaurants, Michelin stars, everything, that's where you go. Although I work for a very high-end travel company, I'm not one of those people. So if I want to go and see the affluence of London, Mayfair is where I go. There's so many great restaurants and, and beautiful places. Most of the great hotels of, of London are in Mayfair. Claridge's, the Connaught, Dorchester is there as well. So really, that's the place to go. When we when we talk about Belgravia, Belgravia is a bit more residential, but again, a very, very affluent area with some incredible, with some incredible restaurants and bars. That's where the Belmont Cadogan Hotel is. Again, a beautiful luxury hotel who we do a lot of um, a lot of bookings with. Victoria is a slightly different story. <laughs> Victoria as an area is is quite residential and there's some beautiful, beautiful houses there. But Victoria is very much, or has been until quite recently, a transport hub. So huge train station, huge bus station. Although it backs on to some of the royal palaces, there is the Goring Hotel there, which is- I love the Goring Hotel. That has the best service in the world. Amazing. Quirky, very quirky. Very quirky, very quirky. But uh, but they're just doing a big renovation at the moment. So next time you go back to London, go and see them because I'm sure they'll have done a beautiful job. On yeah, they have a big furry sheep in the room. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And a hotel cat, I seem to remember. Yeah. Things like that. You know, it's the our- best service. I, I said I wanted to feed the ducks. I remember when I was visiting and I walked downstairs and there was a big bag of very fine crumbs from very good bread (laughs) to feed the ducks. I had remembered that. I just think it's great. Yeah. But as an area, it's evolved and developed quite a lot in the last few years. There's now some great restaurants there, but more on the mainstream or or trendy style. You wouldn't find many Michelin starred or or the, the higher end restaurants. But there's a, a food market there opposite Victoria Station. And, you know, the, it has evolved a lot. So it's much better place than it used to be. Great. Um, Good to know. You mentioned food. You know, when I lived there, it was very overdone meat and boiled Brussels sprouts and some fish and chips. That was my idea of English food with some Indian food. But today, wow, it's it's one of the foodie cities of the world. Obviously, with so many British Commonwealth countries there, people bring ethnic foods in and, and just adaptations of favorite dishes. If I name some London pub food, can you just tell me what it is? I love the names. Okay. What's Bubble and Squeak? (laughs) So Bubble and Squeak is something traditionally that we would have after our Christmas dinner. So generally what it is, is is it's the leftover potatoes and vegetables, and you kind of mash it all up together and you fry it. So it becomes this really delicious potato cake. Um, oh, okay. Well, that's... So it's, it's a delicious thing. Generally, you, you get bubble and squeak and it's served with sausages and gravy. You know, it's quite... Yeah. quite Real heavy. pub food. Pub food. Yeah, proper How pub about food. toad in the hole? <laughs> so toad in the hole is a kind of a batter, a lot like Yorkshire pudding, with sausages cooked in that batter. So you have 
this kind of Yorkshire pudding style thing where there's there's sausages which are peeking out of of the batter. And again, lots of gravy, delicious food. It's food for drinking. Let's be yeah. There are still pubs around, as you mentioned, where you can get this kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. fun. There's lots of beautiful traditional pubs. I went to one recently called The Audley, just around the corner from the Dorchester. Very traditional British pub. Lots of Americans in there actually having the full pub experience. Yeah, beautifully done. Very, yeah. very nice. You can go from high end to pub food. It's all fun. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we mentioned shopping. I mean, you could get very high-end custom-made shirts. I went once with someone who was very short, and he wanted to have a custom umbrella. Mm-hmm. He went to one shop that was specializing in that. I'll never forget it. He had a custom-sized umbrella, so mm-hmm. he didn't look so short. That was a wonderful thing to watch, and he was very happy. But then you have places like Camden Passage Market, mm-hmm. which is full of one-of-a-kind things. It used to be, at least. And some of these antique markets where if you go early in the morning, you can really get some finds. What are, what are some of those? Portobello Road is the most famous antique road in London. Again, until the kind of 1980s, it was a bit of a down at the heel area. And then in the 1990s, we had the movie that really put Notting Hill on, on the sea. Hugh, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Um, and now Portobello Road, there's some great antique markets down there. The great food as well down there as well, some amazing food stalls. And if you go to the, the right to the top of Portobello Road, you get to a road called Goldhawk Road, which is actually one of the hubs for the, the Portuguese and the Moroccan community. And there you can have street food, amazing Moroccan food, great Portuguese coffee, great Portuguese custard tarts, you know, little, uh, the... Um, yes, the yes. egg tarts, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So for me, I'm a big foodie. Wherever I go, it has to involve food. And that's why I love uh, Borough Market, for example, underneath the Shard, the tallest building. Borough Market for me is the best food market anywhere in London. Great stalls, very diverse. You can go there and get a, a glass of champagne and some oysters, or you can get a duck roll. I mean, it's really a, a beautiful place and some great restaurants around there as well. And actually London's best coffee place, Monmouth Coffee, which is right in the market. London coffee, not tea? No, no, no. Uh, Monmouth Coffee, the best coffee in London anywhere. It's amazing. They've always wow. had massive lines, even at like eight o'clock in the morning, but it's the best coffee. Interesting. Well, we've covered many famous landmark things to see and do. Are there a couple of other special things that we might not know about that you may recommend to us? London has so many little special gems, but there's a couple that I always, if somebody's coming to London as a for their first time or maybe their second time, they want to do something new. Again, and it's all in the east end of London, what was originally the, the original heart of London. So the Tower of London is an amazing place full of history, a really, really fascinating place, but it's very, very busy during the day. But at night, a few nights a week, what you can do is book onto a tour with that's actually done by the Beefeaters, and it's called the Ceremony of the Keys. So you go around with the Beefeaters. What are the Beefeaters? So the Beefeaters are the um, the Yeoman Guard. They're the, the traditional guards of the Tower of London who are always dressed in their very red outfits. Very traditional. So you can go around with them and they lock up with the all the old keys. They actually lock all the doors of the Tower of London in this ceremony, which they've been doing for hundreds and hundreds of years. So that's one really special thing to do. Again, it's quite a niche tour. You've got to 
you've got a book. It's not something you can just turn up to do. The other thing is there's an amazing museum in the east of London called the Sir John Soames Museum. So it's just around the corner from the High Courts. And this museum is full of architectural pieces, uh, sculpture, but from two or three hundred years ago. So it's very atmospheric. And what they do in the winter months is they do a candlelit tour of the museum. So they turn all the lights off and it's all lit by candlelight in the way that it would originally have been back in the day. Wow, I like that. Super, super special. Super special. They take care of their fire risk very carefully. I hope so. There was Um, a Great London fire. Well, exactly. Not too far far from there either. Yeah. Well, those are great, great, great tips. Thank you so much. The name of the podcast is Places I Remember. So, Peter, please share a personal memory of London that you want to have us hear about. My son was born in a hospital opposite the Houses of Parliament. It's called St. Thomas's Hospital. It's not a beautiful building. It's not in comparison to the, the kind of gothic splendor of the Houses of Parliament. But we had a room. We are on the fifth floor overlooking the Houses of Parliament. And I just remember holding my son after he was born and looking out over that majestic view. It was very special. Very, very special. Wow. That's a nice first view to have. <laughs> I got through it without crying. Which oh, is, that's which is beautiful. <laughs> I, I, that's something to aspire to in his Absolutely. life. Absolutely. Very nice. Well, thank you so much, Peter Anderson, Managing Director of Luxury Travel and Lifestyle Concierge Membership, Knightsbridge Circle, for sharing some reasons why London is one of the world's greatest cities. You've certainly brought it to life for us. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to our award-winning podcast. We've recorded over 100 episodes of Places I Remember, so follow us on any podcast app. And new monthly episodes are also on YouTube with gorgeous video. My book, Places I Remember, is available in print and Kindle, and I read the audio version. Follow my travel writing at Forbes.com. Contact me at the links in the show notes or on my website, PlacesIRememberLealane.com, and keep making your own travel memories. <laughs>